This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Matt Addison with Paul Gorst and David Lynch alongside me. We'll be looking back at Brighton and ahead to Manchester City shortly, with Liverpool's title chances at best hanging in the balance. We'll pick our teams for Sunday's game as well at the end of the show and, of course, make our score predictions. But plenty of things to discuss before then. Gusty, I'll come to you first and we will touch on that 1-0 defeat midweek against Brighton shortly with reference to what that means for Manchester City. But first of all, both Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola have been speaking ahead of the game today and it seems the Manchester City boss has had a little bit of a, a pop at Klopp. He has, yeah. He's, he's done that typical Pep Guardiola fashion where it's very passive-aggressive and very sarcastic. Uh, and sometimes when it's written down, it doesn't always come across as though he's, he's having a dig. But uh, when you, you actually watched the footage of it, um, he really did seem to, to take umbrage with a, a suggestion from Klopp that uh, Manchester City's COVID issues have led to them having a couple of weeks off. Um, I must admit, I'm not too sure where, where and when that two weeks was. Um, I don't know whether it was just a bit of an off-the-cuff comment from Klopp and he's it, it looks like it's inadvertently come back on him, but um, yeah, Guardiola certainly wasn't happy with it. And he was saying, oh no, Jürgen's got it wrong. It wasn't two weeks, it was two months, it was three months, it was four months. Clearly just playing up to it and hamming it all up. And um, the mask has slipped a little bit, hasn't it? You know, we noticed that last season when the two teams played in the November game at Anfield and the build-up to that one. Um, you know, the two managers are normally at pains to express how much they respect each other and... Um, how much kind of admiration they have for each other's work, and and that is true. Um, there's no question about that. But uh, sometimes in the build-up to the games, the the uh, as I say, the mask does slip. And we had Guardiola accusing Mane of, of being a diver, and Mane actually stopped in the mix zone for one of the games previous to that game, and and you could tell he had something on his mind that he wanted to say about that, and um, it just provided that game with a little bit more spice, and and maybe um events in, in respective press conferences today have, have added a little bit more to Sunday's game. Um, from a Liverpool perspective, probably needs that, if I'm honest. I think Liverpool, for the most part now, in their minds, at least are fighting for fourth only. So um, something for something a little bit extra for them to, to take onto the pitch and something for the fans to kind of rally behind because I think um, it's a bit of a feeling of deflation amongst the fan base when you realise that you, you're fighting and you're cheering on for the team who are just looking to finish um, you know, between second and fourth. So, um, yeah, it, it was a. I mean, it was a pretty uneventful press conference from Jurgen Klopp today, apart from that one line, which seems to have uh, riled up plenty in the in the Manchester corner. Yeah, it's all mind games, isn't it, David? It's it's one of those things going into to these matches. I think Liverpool have had an eight day break this season already. That's what Manchester City had because of the COVID issues. If I'm correct in my maths. It doesn't seem like Jurgen Klopp has a point in it. It kind of seems like Pep Guardiola had every right to, to have a pop back. But of course, it just adds to, to the excitement ahead of Sunday. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not particularly sure why, why Jurgen's gone down that route, to be honest. I don't I don't think that, you know, to be fair, that, that COVID break that, that City had, obviously they wouldn't have chosen to have that. Um, and obviously, and I do think it did them a favour ahead of, obviously it was the Chelsea away game, wasn't it? And it came out and they absolutely wallets Chelsea and they, they were they were great in that game. So I do I do think in that you know ahead of that game in particular they did do them a favour slightly but to be fair I think in terms of trying to say that that's why they've got the advantage they have and it, it's been you know a huge part of their season. I don't think that's entirely fair. You know they they're a club who had to compete with 
without having a, a proper pre-season because they're going deeper in Europe and I, I don't think that's particularly helpful. I think that's something that Klopp, if it happened to Liverpool, would have spoken about that an awful lot and more than we've maybe heard from Guardiola about it. Um, so, so that's massively affected their preparation. I think City's big advantage is the fact that they've got such a massive squad. Um, I don't think you can sort of discount that and I think that has been possibly their major advantage in this season and we'll probably see them through to winning the title but yeah, don't don't really think Klopp had a point on that one. I think Guardiola is probably well well within his rights really to, to sort of hit back and um, I suppose he could, you know, he could have also pointed out that, that Klopp, a couple of players he lost in, in meaningless games, didn't he? I'm thinking Midtjylland and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't, I don't think anyone's got the, the moral high ground on this one, basically. And I think it does, it does add a little bit of spice to it. Um, you know, you, you don't really want managers to be best mates. Uh, you don't necessarily want them to be sort of Mourinho levels of antagonising others, but maybe you know, a little bit of spice in there makes it interesting. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll, they'll probably have a word about that before or after the match. Yeah, I think the, the Brighton result as well, Gorst, we do have to, to sort of touch on that. That makes things interesting as well heading into this weekend. Is the title completely over for Liverpool or is there any sort of glimmer of hope that, that you can see? Maybe if they win this, maybe there's still something in it for them? It entirely depends on your outlook, doesn't it? Um, I, I must admit, I thought after that defeat, and, and I wrote as much in the match verdict, that it's, it's pretty much gone now, hasn't it? If you, if you think that City go to Anfield on Sunday um, at a time when Liverpool are struggling for confidence, struggling with injuries, as they always seem to be, and they haven't got any fans in there to kind of drag them over the line. So City will be licking their lips at, at the prospect of a first win at Anfield since 2003, would you believe, when Nicholas and Alka scored the winning goal. Um, and if City win that, it is curtains. You'd have to say that City would go um, 10 points clear and still have a game in hand, and, and no team is, is, is clawing that back. Um, let's be honest. So, um, it's not so much a make or break game, but it's certainly a, a break game if you like. Uh, Liverpool can give uh, the tight lobes a massive shot in the arm with, with a win to take it to four points, but then City have still got that cushion of, of the game in hand, haven't they? And, and the form that they've been in, you know, you wouldn't bet against them uh, for that game in hand. So, um, for me, Liverpool, I just have to, you know, as, as Ian Klopp says, he says just keep. We can't really think about where we're going to end up in May. It's just about winning the games now and seeing where we land or seeing if we're in with a shot with a few weeks to go or, you know, just kind of just just get your head down and, and crack on and see where you are in a couple of months. Um, but from looking at it from the outside, you have to say that um, it is cities to lose now and Liverpool just can't afford to slip out of this top four because that could have huge ramifications for the next two or three years with regards to recruiting the right level of player that you need to go and win that title again. Because I think once everyone's fit and firing again for Liverpool, um, you know, in the distant future, then Liverpool will probably consider themselves title favourites again. Um, I think they, they proved it when they didn't have too many injuries last season that, they, that they, they're capable of, you know, being the best team in the land. And I think, um, for me, it, the focus would just be on making sure that they are inside that top four at the, at the end of May. Before I ask you the, the same question on the, the title chances, David, let me tell you that before Chelsea won last night, as the, the top seven looked, Manchester City had played five games against those teams. They hadn't won any of them. And when you look at their running, it's much more difficult than Liverpool's. As David Hughes points out on the, the Analyzing Anfield podcast to come out on Sunday, you look at, at their running, they've got Tottenham, Everton, Arsenal, West Ham and Manchester United. Those are their next five games. Those are, are really, really tough. Chelsea and, and Everton again, Aston Villa, Leicester, Manchester City have slipped up in these big games before and I suppose that is something that can give Liverpool a bit of hope but 
they then have to, to hold up their side of the bargain as well. Yeah, that, that, that actually could make things interesting. I didn't really sort of realise how, how difficult their, their next few really is. So that, that does make things tricky for them. I think I think Liverpool's issue is getting close to to putting the pressure on um, by by finding consistency in their own results. And it, it's just not there at the moment. And I think that's possibly not something we'll see for the remainder of the season, to be honest. Um, I, I think we'll see a possibly a slight uptick in terms of if you consistently get Mane, uh, Fabinho, Allison back in this next game, hopefully, um, you know that that's a big contribute uh, contribution to, to the quality levels of the team. Um, getting Diogo Jota back as soon as possible is massive for me um, for the extra threat he provides off the bench, or just to give you a rotational option to keep your your forwards fresh. Um, you know, if if that happens quickly enough, maybe Liverpool could, and obviously Liverpool win on Sunday, then maybe they can sort of slightly get themselves back in the mix. But I do think. You know, possibly being realistic about it, there's a there's a real chance that we'll look back on this season and realise that, that the title chances sort of went up in smoke the moment that Virgil Van Dijk and Joe Gomez both got injured around similar time and, and got season and in injuries. I think that's possibly how we'll reflect on that period. Is that is the point at which Liverpool's title chances went, which is you know a shame, but they, you know they can't they can't be thinking like that at the moment. Um, they, they basically got to think that. You know, giving City a bloody nose and, and proving that they're not they're not finished yet is is important. But so is the three points in terms of making sure they don't get dragged out of the top four and and start having to do any chasing and things like that. So um, yeah, so it's still it's still a massive game regardless of what it means, even even if it isn't ultimately a, a title decider. Um, and, and Liverpool really they, they have to they have to think about getting the points for the for the top four hopes, even if even if City you know steam through that that difficult run. Yeah, you, you mentioned Diogo Jota there and, and Gorsi, the last time a player came off the bench for Liverpool and, and really changed the game, it was Jota all the way back in October really against West Ham. We saw Curtis Jones come off the bench last week away at West Ham, but the game was sort of already in the ascendancy for Liverpool at, at that point. And I suppose that is the difficulty, isn't it? Even if Manchester City slip up, Liverpool are not necessarily in a run of form at the moment, where if they go a goal behind, you ever feel like they're going to turn that around. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I, th- I think the most disappointing thing for from a Liverpool perspective this season is even for all the injuries and and setbacks that they've had, they've they've had it in their hands on a number of occasions and seem to have just not been able to take that big step forward. And I, I think I look, I go back to the to the Aston Villa game and I think if Liverpool would have won that, they'd have gone eight points clear of City and the Brighton game. You know, if they'd have held on an extra couple of minutes, that's a big three points on, on a tough day and. There's just been too, too many of those occasions where it looks like they've they've looked to take the step forward and they haven't been able to, and I think that is what ultimately has cost them. Like like Lynchy says with the uh, Gomez and, and Van Dijk as well, of course. Um, I mean, you, you look at it on Sunday if if one of either Kabak or Davis plays, then Liverpool will be naming their thirteenth different centre back partnership already this season, which is incredible. Really, that just underlines that where the problems have been and. Um, in such a crucial area of the pitch, you're probably not going to win a title if you haven't to chop and change as much as Jurgen Klopp has had to do, uh, particularly with, with the players who've come in to replace them, you know, players who don't even play centre-back, players who've never played senior football before. It's just been a, a massive kind of knock-on effect. And to an extent, I think Liverpool will probably have to be quite proud that they're still in in, in the top four with all the, the issues that they've had. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to have any kind of realistic chance you do need three points on Sunday. It's not a case of avoiding defeat. They need to go go there and win or you know welcome City to Anfield and win. And even then, you know, that that's uh, there's still quite 
a fair way back even if they do win on Sunday. So it's um, all exit in the, the Champions League basket for now, as, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's been a difficult time of late, hasn't it, David, in terms of Anfield matches and getting points on the board at home. But that has to change for Liverpool at some point. I mean, the, the big thing for me heading into this one is if Liverpool had beaten Burnley and then beaten Brighton, which you'd imagine they have the capabilities of doing, they'd only be a point behind, wouldn't they? And albeit Manchester City have, have got that game in hand, but it would just put them in such a, a different mindset going into this one. Yeah, it would have changed everything. And I think, you know, that just sums up sort of you know how disappointing it is to, to be dropping points at home because it's been so long for Liverpool that they've been on that ridiculous run of, of you know never, not not losing games and, and winning most of them at Anfield. So to to lose to two you know bottom half tables, bottom half of the table sides, two sides who are fighting relegation this season, it's just it, it seems mad. But I think I think a lot of it you know comes back to what we've talked about, which is the injury problems and the you know. The difference between early Klopp, which was a side that still dropped points at Anfield and, and still struggled against lower half teams, and the team that we've seen over the last couple of seasons, is the sprinkling of world-class quality that they added in the summers in between. Um, and, and basically, you take out those players and, and you start getting similar results to you know around 2016, 2017. So it's, um, it's perhaps no surprise that, that, that this is happening. Um, you know, the... The hope is that they start getting a few of these players back now and we get back on track and see another winning run or another run of undefeated games. And also, I think it probably helps as well that Manchester City are going to come to Anfield with a very different plan to Burnley and Brighton. You could sort of throw a blanket over their defensive structure for almost 90 minutes, although I thought Brighton was slightly more adventurous. I still think, you know, you looked at a lot of the time, it was very deep defending and closing spaces. Um, and, and, and City are going to be a bit a lot more open than that. And I think, you know, you'd hope maybe City sort of smell blood a little bit and think they can get one over on Liverpool and, and get a bit lax in terms of opening up a little bit. And, and if Liverpool have got Mane back and, and then you've got Salah and Firmino obviously fit, then there's a real chance that they could, they could kill them on the counter. So, um, you know, hopefully there's a bit of complacency from City's side. Yeah, I think it was eight players missing Gorsty midweek. I think six of those automatically would go into Liverpool's first-choice team. There's an argument to be had there over Naby Keita as well. Is it fair to say that it is purely injuries just catching up with Liverpool at, at this point in time? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, as you mentioned, uh, eight injuries. I think that there's been six different games where uh, Liverpool have had as many as, as eight players injured. And I've seen a stat the other day that suggested that uh, as many as six have been unavailable for over two-thirds of the season, which is... It's just incredible when you think about it. Liverpool on, on Wednesday night were without Alisson, um, obviously Shadio Mane, Van Dijk and Gomez and Matip. You know, whoever you, you think is Liverpool's first-choice centre-back partnership, they're unavailable for, for Klopp for the rest of the season now. Uh, Naby Keita, just, you know, the, it's, it's news when he's, when he's fit rather than when he's injured nowadays, isn't it? Um, just so many problems stacking up. Diogo Jota still still out for another two or three weeks, according to Klopp. So it's... Um, it's just been quite remarkable, really. On top of that, as well, when Liverpool really need their supporters to to rouse them and and, and you know drag them out of a sticky spot, then they're just not there. They're not able to do that. And I think the most frustrating thing about Wednesday night was um, you seen it coming uh, after half an hour. I, I remember looking at the at the monitor next to me at Anfield, and I think it said thirty three minutes on the clock, and I just thought this this has just got the writing on the wall here. That's either going to be nil nil or they're going to get beaten. Um, it's um, it, it's crazy because you know games against West Brom and, and Brighton and Burnley all at home. You know Liverpool have taken one point from nine there. It's um, 
it's just such a so lamentable and frustrating and you know you Liverpool will be kicking themselves for, for what could have been when, when the season ends I think yeah absolutely I mean the, the eight players just to, to list them off that were missing Allison, Van Dijk Gomez Matip Fabinho Cater Mane and Jota and I mean if you compare those, David, with Manchester City or, or Manchester United, I mean, it, it's the equivalent, isn't it, of Manchester City being, say, without Edison, Diaz, Laporte, Stones, Fernandinho, Gundogan, Sterling and, and Mares. I mean, if you take those players out of, of any team, they would really, really be hindered by that. So it's as much as it's frustrating, it, it's an explanation, I think, rather than an excuse for Liverpool. Well, that's it. Really, enough the players there that they would be be without um, even in that one game. But you're talking about you know Liverpool's situation is akin to, to City being without Diaz, Laporte, and, and um, John Stones for, for the entirety of the rest of the season, having been without two of them since November. Um, it, it's just they, they would not. I, I refuse to believe that that Manchester City would be in the position they are if that had happened to them. You know, particularly as. The, the, the season that they put in last time around with, with just Laporte out as their sort of major injury. I know Sane uh, sort of sustained the injury as well, but he was very likely to have left for Bayern Munich by that point. Anyway, that was that was the way that was going prior to picking that injury up. So it's just um, it's just crazy, really, that Liverpool is still in this position. That they're, they're still you know inside the top four. That they're sort of in charge of their own destiny on that front. Um, you know, it, it's impressive that they're, they're that close to to Manchester City and um, yeah fair play to them for, for sort of muddling through really I think I, I think we probably don't make enough of that because we hold them to this ridiculous standard that they put in the, the last couple of years but it, it is impressive and I think you know Manchester United on another side I think who, who wouldn't be anywhere close to where they are if they'd have had um, you know even slightly more injuries than they, they have this season they've been quite fortunate really on that front and it does help that, that the two Manchester clubs have arguably got the biggest the biggest squads in the league, I think, and they seem to be sort of finding it the easiest to, to get through this season. So, yeah, I think we've, we've probably got to be starting talking about what Liverpool are doing is a bit of an achievement rather than a, a disappointment at this stage. And, and particularly, you know, if they get a win over Manchester City, then that, that will be a sort of another feather in the cap of Jurgen Klopp. And, and for me, it just shows why he's possibly the best manager in this league. Yeah, I mean, the, the same for, for Manchester United. It, it would be like taking De Gea, Maguire, Lindelof, Bailly, McTominay, Fred, Rashford and Greenwood out, which is just ripping out some of the, the huge players. And it, it does, Gorsty, doesn't it just underline that the job that this Liverpool squad has done? Because we don't always see Liverpool as being a team with that much squad depth, maybe compared to, to one or two of the other teams. But I suppose we have to give them a little bit of credit for that this season because they've shown, actually, that they've done all right in that position. Yeah, I mean, we 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 did the columns, don't we? The columnists, and, and I spoke to John Aldridge for his a couple of weeks back, and the phrase he coined was Liverpool have had their spine ripped out, and that, I think that was pretty much on the money in terms of the, the players who have been unavailable to them this season. But I think again, I, th I think that that's what makes it all the more frustrating because when Liverpool have played in big games, they've still been they've still shown up and still put in a performance. It's the games where where the you know. You can normally expect quite a, a lot of heavy rotation where these players wouldn't be necessarily be playing that they've they've come a cropping in. And I think that was what has been the most disappointing thing of the season, and, and it's kind of why I think Sunday's game um, is a little bit of a of a blessing because um, City will come out and, and leave gaps and spaces, and Liverpool have still got the players to exploit that, haven't they? I think you know for all the. Um, disappointing form that they've shown against teams who've been content to sit in with numbers behind the ball and defend deep and try and counter. I think if uh, if teams opened up, then you know the fullbacks are still able to exploit that. Hopefully, Sadio managed back and 
and Mohamed Salah, as he's shown against West Ham, can still uh, still do the business. So I think, um, in, in a kind of uh, perverse way, that this is uh, exactly what Liverpool need on on Sunday afternoon. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I suppose a couple of positives, David, are the couple of transfers that they did do on deadline day. Obviously, Ben Davis and Ozan Kabak both available for the weekend, but it's a difficult one to, to throw either of them into, isn't it? It's it's such a big game for Liverpool, but you do have to, to throw one or two of them in at some point. And looking at the, the run of fixtures for Liverpool, there isn't really any obvious game that you'd say, well, that's the one. I suppose if there was one to throw a player in, it, it probably would have been Brighton. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a tricky one, isn't it? For you know, if he if he wants to give them a debut before the end of the season, then this run doesn't look ideal at all. But he probably has to has to throw them into a game that you're looking at, thinking that's a really tricky one. Um, the the difficult thing is, I think, is obviously that both of them come with slight caveats in terms of you know you're looking at Ben Davis and it's it, it's that's the big jump, isn't it, from the Championship playing the Championship with Preston. Um, Albeit the top end of the championship to, to come and play for a team up against Manchester City, who are you know the, the best team in the league this season at the moment, um, and then obviously with Kabak, the difference there is adapting to a new, the Premier League, the differences in, in the Premier League, and obviously the fact that he's been with a team that's been getting beaten most weeks and, and, and stepping up, and he's also only you know he's 20 years old. It's you know it's, you can't expect him to come in and have all this experience to call upon as he tries and adapts to a new situation. So it's it's really difficult. I mean, it was interesting that Klopp suggested today that it's not just training they're putting them through at the moment. It's obviously they're doing the analysis stuff with them, showing them videos of how Liverpool centre-halves should behave in this system and stuff. And I'm sure that will will help them. But I don't think either of them are really sort of ready-made to, to sort of drop into that situation, which is a bit of a problem when you consider they're both really short-term signings. I, I know with Quebec, obviously, that option to make it permanent is there, but he's obviously... The fact they wanted an option suggests to me that they're not entirely convinced, you know. So Coletta Carr, for example, he's 24 years old, would have probably been a one where you'd had slightly more faith in him being able to, to drop straight into the team. So it's it's a really tough one. I, I personally don't expect either of them to, to start against Manchester City, to be honest. And I think that the games after that is where you start considering using one of them because you do want to get... For example, Henderson back into midfield or maybe even Fabinho on occasion for the rest of the season. So I think maybe this one is, is not the one to put them in because it's, you know, your defence gets a real stern examination against City, the way they, they pull you about and you keep the ball in, in, in the final third and stuff like that. I think it's going to be really difficult if one of them's put put in. Yeah, it's a big jump, obviously, for, for Ben Davis from Preston to Liverpool, Gorsty, but it's a big jump as well for, for Ozan Kabak. Obviously, coming from a Schalke team who's conceding more than two and a half goals per game so far this season, that's obviously not down to him. It's not his fault that that's the case, but it's just a, a completely different system and a completely different way of, of playing football, isn't it? Yeah, but he'll have to do le- probably less defending than you'd imagine, but um, I, I agree with Lynchy about the kind of um, hesitancy to put in a, an obligation to buy into that deal. I think Liverpool normally like to uh, to do their homework on, on transfers, don't they, and absolutely leave no stone unturned to make sure that this guy coming in is the right one and obviously needs most in times of the essence. So Liverpool probably haven't been able to do that as much as they'd have liked with, with Ozan Kabak. So it's a loan deal with an option to buy in and um, we, we shall see if that option is taken up. I think I think even at 18 million, which is um, probably a little bit lower because of Charles' financial problems, I think even at that fee, Liverpool aren't necessarily in a position to just say, 
yes, go on, then we'll take him in the summer if they're not absolutely convinced. Because I think um, funds are stressed that much that they're going to need kind of every penny this summer to land someone who's going to be a mainstay of the defence for the next five, six years. And um, if Quebec shows enough in this next three or four months, then, you know, great. Then you've got a long-term centre-back for a bit of a knockdown price. But uh, as, as we say that he's young, coming into a new league, he might not necessarily be playing for another week or two. Um, so it's a big task for him, and, and I'm not sure he'll play tomorrow. Um, I think he, if either of the two are going to play, it's going to be Ben Davis, I'd imagine. Um, but um, I think uh, Klopp might just err on the side of caution and go with something that we've seen in recent weeks with, with possibly a return for Fabinho and maybe Henderson alongside him. Am I, am I right in saying, sorry, Matt, am I right in saying that, that uh, Ben Davis has played against Manchester City before in one of the cup competitions, maybe in the FA Cup? Quite possibly, yes. Sure. Quite possibly. I think that I think that might be right, but I mean, you know, if that if that is the case, and I, I agree, actually, I think if there is going to be one of them thrown in, it possibly would be Davis, just because he has that little bit more experience, even yeah. though it's in a, a lesser league. And you know, I think obviously he's he's in. I don't know how Quebec is in terms of speaking English or anything like that, but I just think it probably would be an easier fit for him to just come straight in and, and get dropped into that situation. Although I. You know, like I said, I, I still possibly don't expect it, but I think of the two, I agree with Gorsi. I think he's possibly the most likely. Yeah, you were spot on with the, the Preston thing. They lost 3-0 against Manchester City. <laughs> uh, September 2019, Raheem Sterling and Gabriel Jesus and their own goal. So it uh, wasn't the best result, but yeah, I suppose it, it does give him a slight advantage. I mean, we're expecting it to, to probably be a, a tight game, aren't we, Gorsi? It, it's one of those that's quite difficult to... To sort of work out how it's going to go. We know what problems Liverpool have. We know what strengths Manchester City have. They obviously, as you said before, haven't won at Anfield since 2003. Do you think Pep Guardiola will see this almost as a, an opportunity, not just in this season's title race to put down a marker, but also, you know, to, to sort of get that off their back, if you like? Oh, yeah, no question. I think, uh, you know, Guardiola's made no secrets of it, has he really, in saying that Anfield is a place to he doesn't like coming to. There was that famous quote from the summer before last, was it, where he called it a, a bugger of a ground. I mean, I think that was a mm-hmm. translation. I'm not sure what the, the Catalan actual phrase was, but uh, that's what a comeback has. And uh, he said on the All or Nothing documentary as well, didn't he, Liverpool's front three, you know, he's scared of them and uh, they are the danger men. So I think he's always had that little bit of concern coming to Anfield, um, which is understandable given what Liverpool's record was and, and has been for, for most of his you know, time as Manchester City manager, but this is is very different. This is an Anfield where Liverpool have, have they haven't won since the December the sixteenth. Um, they've lost the last two. Um, that four year, near four year records up in smoke. Um, Liverpool are you know looking around and, and the treatment room is, is jam packed, and there's no Anfield crowd in there to kind of cheer them up. So um, you know, if Guardiola could have. You know, wished for a for a better case scenario. We probably couldn't have, couldn't have come up with something better than the one he'll face when he when he comes into town on Sunday. So, for him, he, he's probably got to go out there and say, right, let's let's put this to bed and, and do our stuff. And I think if he does try that, because he has been you know fairly conservative in the past. I mean, Klopp made reference of it today of a game when was it October twenty eighteen when he said Kyle Walker didn't go over the halfway line and and it was a nil nil. Uh, but I think if Guardiola comes to this one with a bit more adventure and a bit more of a, a time to put his foot on the neck, then I think that will open up spaces for Liverpool to, to counter and, and something that Liverpool can use, which they haven't been able to for for a good while, actually, at Anfield, because even for the Tottenham game, which was the last one they won, we all know how Tottenham approached that one. And 
Um, it's been a while since any team has kind of come and tried to fight fire with fire in Anfield. And normally when teams do, Liverpool end up uh, on the, the victorious side. Yeah, we, we know the problems, Lynchy, that Liverpool have got at the back and that will leave them a little bit exposed. The opposite side of that, Manchester City have only conceded 13 goals in 21 league matches so far this season. You compare that with Liverpool, who were obviously absolutely fantastic last season. After 21, they'd conceded 14. So City actually a little bit better in that regard than what Liverpool were last season. This is not a team that you want to face when you've only scored one home goal in four. No, absolutely. Um, I've watched a little bit of City this season and um, been really impressed by Ruben Diaz. Um, I think the fact that the sort of transformation you've seen in John Stones, I think, says a lot for how good Diaz is. Um, you know, he couldn't get near the, the Manchester City team last season. He looked like he was absolutely finished there. Um, the fact now he looks like a, a Rolls Royce of a centre-half because he's next to Ruben Diaz says a lot. Um, I think he's a, a really high-quality centre-half. I think in comparisons with Virgil van Dijk might be pushing it slightly. I don't think he's sort of at that at that level. But um, he, he won't be far below him. Um, and he, he's really changed things for them. I think... I think the difference is for Liverpool is that, you know, they're not worried about that defensive record just because, you know, as you say, City's fixture list has maybe sort of been slightly kind to them of late, probably helped boost that those those figures a little bit. Um, and they've not, you know, they don't face an attack like Liverpool's every week. So, you, you know, you could think that Liverpool can possibly get at them. I'm sure they'll be looking to, you know, exploit weaknesses that other sides have and, and um yeah, and they're not they're not like we said before, they're not they're not gonna come in and sit in and, and sort of rely on the defensive strengths, are they? The City will come and have a go, they'll still be open. And their best form of defence is keeping the ball away from, from the opposition and, and it's something they haven't managed consistently at Anfield, uh, because they just get pressed to death and, and then give it up in dangerous areas and that's where Liverpool tend to score the goals. So um, I think, you know, it, it's something to think about and that Ruben Diaz isn't easy, as easily got at as, as some of City's central defenders in the past. But I do think Liverpool, you know, they shouldn't worry about that too much. I think that the opportunities will be there. It's just a case of, of taking them, which I think has been one of the biggest issues during this run, is, is maybe missing chances as much as not creating them. Yeah, still only 23, Ruben Diaz, which is quite remarkable when you think of the impact he's had this season, Gorsley. There have been comparisons to Van Dijk, as Lynchy says there, but I suppose it, it's a completely different situation for me because at, at City, you know, he's got £200 million uh, worth of, of defenders alongside him. It, it's not quite the same situation as, as what Van Dijk found at, at Liverpool, is it? No, not at all. I mean, from what I've seen, I mean, he does look good, but he seems to be much more of a... I don't really know how to articulate it. But Van Dijk tends to kind of he tends to be a proactive defender, doesn't he? In terms of spotting the danger before he has to do anything dramatic. I mean, Ruben Diaz, I've seen him quite a lot, and he tends to be a, a last ditch, get you blocking and get, get get your slide tackles in sort of defender. I mean, the, the, whether right or wrong, as long as you keep the ball out of the net, that's that's uh, what he's employed to do. And I thought uh, if it wasn't for him against Aston Villa a couple of weeks back, Villa would have definitely have taken something from that game. I think I remember one or two where. Um, he just takes it off the toe of the striker as he's about to come in and tap it in and, and shoot. And um, he, he's he's developed really well in, in a, sh- a short time at City, and, and obviously that will only get better the older he gets and the, and the more experience he gets in the Premier League. So it looks like after quite a few attempts, he does look to be uh, the one who solved it. But, but Laporte as well, he's another one, isn't he? He come in for big money, and um, he was obviously injured for most of last season, but he looks another quality defender as well. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be reluctant to compare him to Van Dijk um, 
like for like, but uh, he's, he's had a similar effect in terms of really shoring up that back line. Yeah, certainly very impressive so far. And Liverpool are going to have to be clinical. We'll move on, though, Lynchy. I'll start with you for the team selector and, and we'll go through each of our, our Liverpool teams. I think Alisson, we're expecting him to be back, obviously missed the game midweek through illness, assuming he is back, he'll be in goal. But the real interesting question, I think, is, is how you line up that defence. I think, obviously, Robertson and Alexander-Arnold are fairly obvious, but those two in the middle could be could be interesting for Jürgen Klopp's. Yeah, I, th- I think he's going to wear on the side of the course. And he, he did suggest to me today that there's a possibility that the centre half signings could be involved. I, I just think he's going to wear on the side of caution and, and go with Henderson and Fabinho back there. I think obviously we think that Fabinho is going to be fit for this. So I think putting the, the two midfielders in there is, is probably the way he's going to go. And, and then, you know, just to hope that that's enough to get him through. I think they've, they've both impressed there, haven't they? So I suppose it's not even chancing it really. It's, um, they probably deserve to be selected on form as, as Liverpool's best centre-half pairing at the moment. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's the way he's going to go. Yeah, Fabinho back from injury as well, Gorsty, we think, or we assume at this point that it's a good chance for, for him to come back in. Would you go with Fabinho and Henderson? Or is there any argument at all, do you think, to, to throw in one of these two new boys? I mean... It's a difficult one, isn't it, in terms of making your home debut. There's, there's probably not a, a tougher game to, to do that in than, than a visit from Man City. So that's why I'd probably err on the side of the caution um, against starting either one of them. But I, I think Fabinho now, I think we just have to accept that he is a centre-back, don't we? So if he plays, then he's centre-back, as, as uh, frustrating as that might be. But uh, he's, he's had a great season, really, as a centre-back. So uh, if, he, if he's fit enough, then, yeah, I'd, I'd be playing him and, I probably would just there with on the side of course and, and throw in Henderson ahead of um, Ben Davis. Yeah, I think I'm going along the same lines. And, and with that being the case in midfield, then it, it makes it slightly easier. There's not so many options to make, is there? I think I'm going to put Curtis Jones in over James Milner. I think Milner has just played too many matches in a row yeah. now and, and looked absolutely knackered. Would you go along with that, Lynchy, and, and therefore have, what, Wijnaldum, Thiago and, and Curtis Jones, perhaps? Yeah, I, th- I think it is time to, to call on Curtis Jones. I, th- I thought, I, I was really surprised, to be honest, to not see him in the starting lineup against Brighton. Um, you know, he's played well whenever he's been brought in. Milner must be very close to sort of the red zone, given his age. And obviously, he can occasionally pick up those muscle injuries. Whenever he's sort of got one, it's when you thought, I'm surprised he's still in the starting eleven when he's been in it for quite a few games consecutively. So I think you've just got to be really you know, careful with him. You don't want to lose another player to injury. So I think Curtis Jones you can back him to come in and, and do a sensible job in there. He, you know, he's really switched on defensively these days. And then you've got Milner as an option there. He's versatile. He can come into different sort of situations and he'd be a really good option off the bench. So I think, yeah, I think that three is, is the one I would go with. Naby Keita there as well. We think Gorsty, I think he's back in time. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain an option as well, but both of those players sort of come with their own risks, don't they? Yeah, full out for me. I'd, I'd, I'd go with Curtis Jones as well. I was shocked that he never played against Brighton, and I was even more shocked that he didn't get on earlier than he did. Um, I mean, Milner. I mean, if, he's he's a he's a fantastic squad player, isn't he? For his, his experience and his know-how, but I think with the injuries that he that Liverpool have had, he's kind of been overplayed and. It's um, it's just had a little bit of a he, he hasn't been a standout player. Let, let, let's uh, perhaps put it that way. But um, for me, Jones has to play. He, he's one of the, the few in this Liverpool squad. Maybe only him and Cater actually who 
prepared to, to carry the ball and, and take people on and try and bring defenders out of positions because teams kind of let Liverpool have the ball in front of them, especially at Anfield, and, and they just say break us down and Liverpool for all the passing and uh, the crossing and, and whatever else. They haven't been able to do that. You know, you've seen Liverpool can open teams up when um, Jones is prepared to have a run. I'm thinking about the goal against Tottenham. Um, the first one, you know, not Salah scores it, but it kind of opens up because Jones has a dribble into the heart of the defence. And then again against West Ham, um, Jones, it, it was his run that opened up West Ham for the for the space for Salah to shoot, wasn't it? So um, I'd, I'd be putting Jones in ahead of Milner and Thiago and Wijnaldum kind of um, get to continue their their roles as well. I wonder I wonder actually whether in, in light of what Jürgen said today about sort of he, he didn't like the, the, the speed of passing and stuff, is that, you know, whether he regrets slightly not using Jones against Brighton, you know, having those fresh legs in the middle and, and the ability to sort of pick up pockets of space and also, you know, he's got a really nice pass on him to find in other players. I think he might slightly regret that one. I think that's why I sort of see him maybe looking to put it right against Manchester City and thinking having some freshness in there and his sort of youthful enthusiasm might really sort of give Liverpool a a massive lift in there. I think that there's been an argument that without Milner in that midfield and without Henderson as well, there's maybe a lack of leadership in that midfield area. Would that be a risk at all, do you think, Lynch? Or, or do you think that's sort of, not a myth, but but maybe over-exaggerated with the fact that, that Henderson isn't there? Um, I think I think you miss Henderson's, you know, the, the, we, we've seen the videos, haven't we, the talking and the, the way he encourages players and he sort of switched on to what everyone's everyone's job is, is at every moment of the game. And I think having that in the centre of the park maybe, rather than a little bit further back is, is possibly quite helpful. But and, and I think that's possibly why he wants Milner in there is, you know, he's the vice captain. And, and, you know, if you don't have Milner, then if you don't have Henderson in, then it's great to have Milner in there. But I think I think sometimes, you know, you've just you've got to think about the, the impact of other things. And this is this is what it's like for managers, isn't it? Constantly balancing, you know, several several considerations at once. And I think, you know, like we said, the, the, the legs issue here with, with Milner is, is probably sort of outweighs what you're talking about in terms of having vocal leadership in there. And I think you probably get more from Curtis in this game, even though, you you know, you might have to give up having that that vice captain in the, in the centre of the bar. I mean, there is, like, we touched upon it, didn't we? There, there is always the option that he goes and pushes Henderson back in there and, and maybe says to Ben Davis, just have a go at this. Then you've you you faced Man City before and, you know, he has Fabinho alongside him, say, because whoever is going to be Ben Davis' partner or Kabak's partner, if he's the one who's chosen, it, it will be someone they've never played with before anyway. So it's, you know, I suppose it, it's not, that's not going to be sort of something to worry about, is it? It's... Um, so maybe, just maybe, you would think about that for this game, just to get Henderson back in midfield. But I think I still, I still sort of fall on the side of what we said, which is, is to yeah, throw Curtis in there, get some fresh legs, and, and maybe Milner can come on late in the game and, and hopefully change things or see out a, a four 0 win. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be a little bit optimistic, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to, to sort of have these conversations and, and have these options, isn't it? I suppose that's sort of facilitated by the fact that there are a couple of centre backs at the club. But I suppose. The one area of the pitch where you wouldn't want to make a change is, is up front. Sadio Mane, we think, is back and he presumably will be up there with Firmino and, and Salah, Gorsi. Yeah, yeah, you guess so. I mean, um, the kind of reserve list isn't exactly um, stellar cast at the moment, is it? I mean, I mean, I was obviously gone to Southampton. Uh, Diogo Joss is the big one who, who continues to get himself fit. And then Divock Origi, who, uh, who sadly it looks like his days could be numbered, uh, come the summer and 
And Shakiri, who's not played a lot of football, who hasn't done too badly, to be fair to him. But, um, yeah, I mean, Liverpool's front three um, remains kind of... Um, the, the the big guns, aren't they? And, and it, it's, it's just a real shame that Diogo Jota did get that injury because when you've struggled for an impact player off the bench or, you know, even just the ability to, to rotate here and there, they just haven't really been able to do it. I mean, Origi started that game against Burnley, didn't he? And who knows what happens if he goes and puts that one in towards the end of the first half, but he, but he didn't. But if you think if Jota had been fit and Jota would have started ahead of Origi, it just gives you a lot more confidence in, um, in the fact that Liverpool can go and score because... I'm right in thinking they haven't done that since West Brom still at Anfield. Um, that's going back to 27th of December. So um, yeah, I mean, let's just hope that um, Sadio Mane is back and, and firing on all cylinders. Yeah, Jota of course played a, a big part at, at the Etihad as well, didn't he? In that 4-2-4 formation from Liverpool, but not really on the table, is it this time, Lynchy? I think we we just have to assume it's going to be a 4-3-3 because. Minamino no longer at the club and, and Origi, as Gorsty says, just not quite performing at, at the right level at this moment in time. Yeah, that's it. I just don't think the backups have, have got any case to sort of start in this one. If you can if you can get the front three together, then you, you, you have to do it. I think you saw Shakiri sort of pushed out wide against Brighton and I just don't think that works at all. I think if you're going to use him, and we saw this at West Ham, is when he gets into central areas and he can pick up passes, he's got runners ahead of him. I think that works. Um, funnily enough, actually, I don't think that works so much when he's got Firmino in front of him because Firmino likes to come into those deeper areas and they, pick, they end up picking the ball up in similar positions and, and having no one in a central position going in behind. So, unfortunately for Shakiri, the best sort of configuration and attack for him is to sort of be in a 4-2-3-1 in a central position with Origi maybe ahead of him rather than Firmino. So, and he doesn't seem to fit in out wide. So I just think, yeah, there's there's, there's no case to be made at all, really, to, to start anything but the, the main front three. Yeah, no, in complete agreement with you there. Just before we finish, we'll do our, our match predictions. I'm going to go for a, a one-all draw. I know it's not the best result in the world for Liverpool, but just think if it gets to that 60-minute mark and City are level, I think they will probably just shut up shop and, and take that, to be honest, given the buffer that they have at the top. Gorsi, are you any more optimistic that, that Liverpool could win or are you going to go along similar lines? Yeah, I think so. Unfortunately, I mean, um, I normally rival Mark Lawrenson for, for the, the guesses and saying Liverpool are going to win anything, but uh, it's difficult to, to make a case against the team who are coming into it with 13 straight wins, uh, top of the league. Liverpool have obviously got the massive injury list and no supporters. So, um, yeah, I mean... It, it, it'd be great if, if they could kind of give themselves a massive shot in the arm with, with a win, but I think um, I think a draw is, is the realistic one, yeah. And then, Chief, what are you going to say for it? I, do you know what? I think I think with it being Manchester City, I think Liverpool are going to be bang up for it. You know, fans aren't in, but it's still on field. The familiarity of the areas on the pitch and things like that all play a part. I think City, you know, defensively a lot better this season. But I do think there's a possibility when Aguero isn't in their side that you can stop from scoring. I think, you know, I, I'm not massively convinced by Jesus still, still. And I know his goal record at City is absolutely ridiculous, to be honest. But when I saw it the other day, I was surprised because I don't think he's a top-end quality player. I think the way City plays sets him up for tap-ins quite a lot. And obviously, you've got to get there. I still don't think, you know, if they were relying on him for any period, I don't think he's he's that level, that you know, top top level like Aguero. So I think, I'd say, you know, back Liverpool to maybe get a clean sheet. I think it's you know whether the front three can get firing. I think possibly City will will 
you know, maybe hopefully take them slightly lightly and, and, and maybe that will open up a few spaces to Liverpool and they can maybe sort of score one early and, and score one late and get a 2-0 win. Oh, very optimistic. I think I think you're right on, on Gabriel Jesus, to be honest. I think since he signed for Manchester City, he's, in terms of expected goals, performing 15 under where he should be. So, I mean, that is you know, not even really an average striker in, in terms of finishing. But yeah, certainly you know, Jurgen Klopp and, and Liverpool could do with him missing another couple of chances, I, I think, at, at the weekend. But that just about brings us to the end of today's podcast. We'll be back, of course, with the next Blood Red podcast on Monday. Looking back, hopefully, at a win for Liverpool, but for myself and Gorsty, more likely a draw. We think plenty more to come before and after that match, of course, as well, too. For now, though, from myself, Matt Addison, from Paul Gorst and from David Lynch. Until next time here on the Blood Red channel, thank you for watching and listening, and goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.